How's it going out there, podcast listeners? This is Nick Liberty with the newest and first ever episode of Political Division Re-Envisioned. Uh, in case you guys didn't see the trailer, if you're just randomly clicking on this, basically I want to create a podcast where I can go through some of the common issues in modern American politics and maybe even not just American politics. We'll see where things go. But uh, that's going to be the focus. Uh, as I said in my trailer, if you didn't catch it, I work in political research and analysis, and I follow congressmen and senators all throughout my state and go to all their events and speak with all sorts of different people throughout the area. So I want to bring you know my ideas and some of the ideas I hear and refute some of the ideas that I hear often that don't really make sense to me and just throw them out here and see if people are interested. Uh, obviously, first off, I'm sure there's going to be a couple of questions. Um, Liberty is not my actual last name. I'm using that as a pseudonym, so I don't have to you know, worry about anything, especially with my line of work. I don't want people to be able to track me down and things like that. So I'm going to try and keep things relatively anonymous, at least to start. And then maybe as things get different, then you know we can see where things go if anybody even listens to this podcast. So um, my general idea is to, to cover especially controversial topics and where I think the middle ground can be on them. I think one of the first things I want to cover in this episode today is going to be why America is not actually a, a true, honest democracy, why it's instead a constitutional republic, why I think that's a good thing, and why when I hear a lot of people say, well, that's not democracy, I think it's kind of silly because in America... We're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic, which is essentially a, a democratic system, but with, with certain safeguards so that the interests of people are being met in a way where it, it's not just a complete mob rule. Because that's the big problem with democracy and the reason that historically democracies have, have worked well, but then they fail is because it ends up being mob rule. And people think they want something that ends up working against their interest and because a majority, even if only a very slight majority, agree to something, it ends up costing them and especially making the other, say, 49% feel extremely disenfranchised. So I think that America historically has had things right with systems like the Electoral College because it's based on that system. So that if you're a farmer in small town Iowa, your needs are being met the same as a city dweller from New York City. Uh, so I live in the state of New York, and one of the biggest things that I see, even within my own state, is that people in New York City want things that people in upstate New York do not want. And what ends up happening is because they have the majority population, a lot of the, the general consensus of things that are passed and that end up being legislature and law in New York don't really represent the people in upstate New York as much as they should. So anyway, so first off, um, I'll, I'll touch on what I just said with the Electoral College. I've heard a lot of people out every day, candidates and average Americans, saying they want to get rid of the Electoral College. I don't think that's a good idea, but I also don't think that the Electoral College, in the way that we have it currently, is the ideal system. Now, I think that states like Maine, and I think a lot of Americans could agree with this, have a system that would better represent people and better represent the individual states on a greater scale. So when you're talking about like a presidential election, uh, what normally happens is if you know 51% of New Yorkers vote for, uh, let's say a Democrat, 
then that is what all of the Electoral College votes for that state goes towards. Now, in states like Maine, what they do is they do like a percentage-based system so that, you know, they have, I think it's four Electoral College votes and one might go Republican, three might go Democrat. Now, I think that doing a percentage basis on either an outright percentage basis or on a basis of of counties that go towards one candidate would make more sense to actually represent the will of the people in those states. Because right now, New York City, Los Angeles, um, I guess Texas, Florida, those states kind of have a say. And if you're in a state like, like I said, Iowa, you really don't matter all that much. Your, your vote doesn't really represent you. Your vote doesn't really contribute to anything. So what I would suggest is that you have, if 60% of voters in New York want a Democratic candidate, then 60% of those 27 Electoral College votes rounded up would go towards that candidate. But why should those other you know, 40% not be represented at all? Why should their entire state cast a vote that doesn't go in favor of them? So I think there should be a split and you can, you know, we could argue about the semantics of how that split would happen, what kind of percentage basis is we would want to make things fair and make sure that people are represented. But I don't think that the entire direction of where we go as a country for four years after an election should be dictated by those big cities and the big states. And I think that a percentage basis would, would, would kind of alleviate that. So that's like the first big issue that I see with American politics. I see a lot of, of oversimplification of things and a lot of buzzwords used. Like when you hear people say, oh, well, that's not democratic. And I understand where the misconception on it comes from. I really do. I get that people think that what's good for the majority is good for everybody. And, and I really, I do sympathize with people that, that want America to be a 100% pure democracy. And I used to think when I was younger that that was the right way to go about things, too, until I thought about it a little bit more critically. So what I want to try and do is use logic throughout this podcast to kind of convey what I'm thinking. And if people want to, to rebuttal and come back, I'd love to like delve more into these with people with opposing points of view and, and see where we could go with things. So first, I'll start off like why I think that a true democracy isn't always a good idea. And I use like a thought experiment for it. So, I mean, if you're if you're not driving, you know, close your eyes, try to visualize. <laughs> and if you are driving, well, try to follow along and, and see what you think. But I want you to imagine that you're on a plane of 100 people, right? And your plane goes down on a desert island like Lost. And you find yourself on this island, let's say miraculously all 100 of you survive. So there's 100 people. And you decide to split the island into north and south, right? You know, and people can just decide where they want to go. So at the end of it, you know, 51 people go to the north side of the island, 49 people go to the south side of the island. You both agree you're going to be totally democratic and you're all going to have an exact agreement on what's going to happen. And the majority is going to rule, no doubt, no questions asked. Now, what happens is, is then, you know, the North Island 
depletes the resources, ruins everything, and starts uh, following a cult-like mentality. They start believing that you know they were sent to this island to to reach their spiritual enlightenment, and they decide, well, the resources are gone. They they can't make fire anymore. They're out of logs. You guys won't help them out on the South Island. So now. They just want to have everybody kill themselves as their uh, savior would would like. <laughs> so you guys put it to a vote, and because there's 51 of them up there, they vote to all commit mass suicide. Now, what happens is is that you know you're on the South Island, you got 49 people, and you guys all said, "Well, no, things are going okay. We're you know hoping to be rescued here pretty soon. We've got resources. We've been doing like a little bit of farming. We've been doing responsible hunting. We've been you know managing the resources we have, and we'd be happy to help with you guys a little bit if you want." But they say, "No, we want mass suicide." So. In a purely democratic system, there there's no check involved. There's no way to, to to have any kind of minority opinion really matter. I mean, yes, you you know you got to vote just like everybody else, but you guys were a lot more responsible. You guys were the smaller majority, but you're still important. But you're not represented. See, I look at America a lot the same way. You've got people in these big city centers, and there's nothing wrong with living in cities. But the big city centers demand more income. They demand more maintenance. They demand far more or uh, taxpayer money. They demand far more resources be imported from other places. And even though they require so much more to run, they end up being the ones that get the majority vote, not the people that have the resources, not the people that are sending the resources in. There, there's no farming in New York City. There's no food produced there other than from ingredients brought in from elsewhere. So why is it that the place that absorbs everything is the one that gets the majority say and not the one that has to provide for them? And yes, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm simplifying things, but I'm not saying that New York City is without value because it absolutely is. There's a lot of like high-end jobs, a lot of interesting things in media, a lot of technological advances, a lot of great firms. But as far as general survival, they're not where the, the day-to-day needs in a country are being met. It's just not the case. Same thing with Los Angeles. Heck, California can't even go a couple weeks without burning down. <laughs> because they're so depleted on resources. So I I think that there's a better system that we could all work towards that would better represent people while still maintaining a, a democratic sense, but not going so far into it where you have so many people feeling unrepresented. And this goes into another issue that I have with people talking about removing the filibuster. So if you're not familiar, which I imagine if you clicked on a political podcast, you probably are at least a little bit familiar with the filibuster. It requires a higher majority than a 50-50 vote. So I think that principle should be applied to our elected officials as well. If, if we're electing a governor in New York, in the state that I live in, and we want to represent the people of New York, why is it that we're accepting 51% as a representative of 100 Why is it that in any state that's the case? If you really believe in your party and your ideologies and in the the services you can provide, I think that you should have to sell more than 51% of the people 
on your ideas and what you stand for. I don't think it would be unreasonable to say we're going to need a 60% or higher majority in any election if somebody's actually going to be elected. And if that means that in the meantime, you have to keep holding revotes or whoever gets that 51% majority can have control for a short amount of time and they need to convince people in a trial period that they can do better or they're going to be ousted and there's going to be another election held, I don't really care. If these politicians have to keep spending money and have to keep fighting for their case, I think that's a reasonable expectation if they're promising us that they can deliver what they're expected to deliver to the people. So I, I don't think it's a crazy expectation of an average American to say that, yeah, we, we can't expect that you're going to please everybody, that you're going to get like 100% like unanimous vote on any election anywhere. That's, that's just unrealistic. But I think to say that if we're going to elect a governor, we need a 60% majority. And if you can't get that, then you're not going to get guaranteed your two-year term. I, I don't think that's unrealistic. And I don't think that's a, um, a dreamer's ideal. I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation. And I've heard people make arguments against that in, um, in basic terms, but I haven't really heard anybody give me a solid answer on why that's an unreasonable expectation, that a representative represent more than just 51% of the people that they're supposed to represent. And if you do get elected and you're you know, in that 60-40 margin, your goal during that should be to try and get more of those people to see that you're doing a good job. And I think that another thing that we could institute, especially for these Congress and Senate positions where we have people that run and run and run year after year forever, <laughs> you have people that have been in the same seat for 20, 40 years, I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to continue raising that threshold for re-election and say that if you in all this time couldn't get another 5 or 10% of people to see that you're doing a good job, then maybe you're not doing a good job. And just because you convince those other people to continually vote for you each time doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing what you should be doing, which is representing everybody that is your constituents. Because what people don't really consider is that when you have a house of representatives, they're supposed to represent you. And if they are coming from your particular district, they're supposed to represent that particular district. And yes, if you're in New York District 19, you're supposed to represent all of New York and especially New York 19, but you're really expected to do what's right for the people that elect you, not do what's right for your personal agenda, not do what's right for your friends that are also in positions of power. So I just think that in America, if we want to see a future where we can get past this mudslinging in either direction constantly and get towards a future we're actually proud of, we need to have the representatives that are supposed to be, you know, representing their constituents be people that we can be proud of. And I don't think that's the case. And whether it's left or right or center, I haven't really heard anybody say that they've been completely pleased with who they've elected in recent years, probably since the early 2000s, maybe. <laughs> so um, 
you know, that's kind of where I stand on it. And that's one of the biggest things. And I wanted to address that in this very first episode. And don't worry if this was long winded and kind of unorganized and it appeared that way. That's because it is. This is my first ever attempt at making a podcast. So I'm hoping if what I had to say was at least interesting, even if it was a little bit uh, unrefined, you'll stick around with me while I try to improve myself and get better at the whole podcasting situation and hopefully get more like audience participation involved at some stage. But, um, but yeah, so that's where I stand on just the, the general system of elections in America, because I think that's an important place to start. And then I'm thinking next episode, which I'm probably just going to record after this, I might delve into some of the common concerns with either guns or abortion. I'm not sure which yet. So um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards guns because I feel like there's uh, an easier direct analysis that can be done on it logically rather than emotionally. I feel like the abortion issue can be difficult because it, it weighs heavily on the emotional side of things in a way that I can't really fully address, but I do plan to give an attempt anyway. So uh, if you enjoyed this, you know, please try and like this and try and spread it around and let your friends know, especially if it's people who disagree with me or disagree with you. I think it's important we have these discussions. And like I said, you know, I'm, I'm open to in the near future, finding ways to connect with you and maybe even host debates with some listeners and see what people think. So um, that's where I'm coming from. And it's been an absolute pleasure, everybody. And I'm glad you tuned in unless nobody's listening, in which case I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> but uh, anyway, everybody have a good one, and we'll continue to dive into some of the issues that press on in America. Thanks.